This is episode 179 of the Beyond the Food Show, and today it is part three of our four-part series on holistic health. And today we talk about the physical body, particularly in the context of perimenopause and menopause with Dr. Michelle San. Ready? Let's do this. My name is Stephanie Dodier, clinical nutritionist, and my first diet was at 14 years old, and my last one, 38 years old. Here's what I now know. It's not about what we eat, or how we eat, or when we eat. It's about why we urge to eat. And the longer we hold on to the idea that tinness will bring us happiness and confidence, the further we get from that exact goal. The solution? Going beyond the food, mindset over strategy, ditching dieting, eating intuitively, and learning to accept our body as is today without having to lose anything. So how do we make peace with food in our body? As a top 25 alternative health podcast in the world, this is the Going to Beyond the Food Show. Welcome back, Stephanie Dozier here, and today is the day where we talk about physical body in the context of holistic health. You know, this concept that we've been talking about over the last three podcasts with the four layers of our human body. Most of us come to this podcast here thinking that we're only a physical body because that's what we can see, that's what we can touch. When in fact, we are a four-layer body. We have an emotional body, a mental body, a spiritual body, and yes, a physical body. So in show 177, we talked about the mental body. Show 178, the spiritual body. And today, we're going to talk about the physical body, in the context of our audience, which is women about to go into perimenopause or women that have gone through perimenopause and maybe in menopause now. How does our body goes through this different period of our life? In the same way that we talk about craving, binging, or desire to overeat, these being body messages the symptom that we experience going through perimenopause or menopause, whatever it be it, hot flashes or foggy brain, is also a message from our body. And guess what? Suffering through perimenopause or even menopause is optional. We don't have to suffer through these period of our life. We have to go through these periods of our life and the hormonal change that are essential for our evolution as a woman. However, the suffering is optional. Same like dieting being optional or binging or overeating is optional if we only learn to listen to our body messages. And this is what my friend and holistic health practitioner, Dr. Michelle Sands, going to take us through today. Dr. Michelle, as I call her, is a licensed functional medicine physician, a doctor of naturopathic medicine, and she's a female hormone and epi 
genetic expert. And her viewpoint on this critical period of our life is unique because of both or functional medicine and holistic health approach. And she is a soul sister because it's very reflective of what we do here in the going to beyond the food method. So here's how I want you to go through this episode here is a to understand what is the physical body in relationship to the holistic health model, but also for you to get the knowledge and the information that you need to stop suffering through perimenopause and menopause, learn and implement what we're going to talk about today. And she also has another tool or online conference that's going to be coming up in the month of March 2019, that she's going to invite you as well to join. It's a free online conference like we do here, the Going to Be on the Food Project. She does her own specialize around perimenopause and menopause. So I invite you to pay attention to that and also to register for this free event that's going to empower you to live a fully exciting, positive, and beneficial perimenopause and menopause. So without any further ado, let's listen to Dr. Michelle Sam about the physical body. Welcome to the show, Dr. Michelle. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me. Very pleased to have you. We just ended a very long conversation without pressing record, but we're going to repeat everything for the audience. But Dr. Michelle is a holistic practitioner, and we'll go through her approach. And the topic of this podcast today is all about the physical body. So I'm going to start with a very basic question. What is the role of the physical body in the holistic approach? And how does it blend with the other tree body? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. So we are equally physical as we are mental, as we are emotional. So there's not really any separation in my mind between all three. We can't just take the physical out and we can't take the emotional out. And so there's not really, there shouldn't be any separation. The problem I see with conventional medicine is that we try to separate that. And that's why it's so hard to actually get true healing. We see a lot of symptom management. We see a lot of slowing the progression of disease, but we don't really see true healing because the body is our physical manifestation of our energy, but it's actually just one part of the whole self, right? So you can't really separate it But, you know, the physical is very important because it's our vehicle. It's our vessel. It's how we actually interact with our environment on a physical level. So, you know, we have our cells and our microbiome and our hormones and our neurotransmitters. And all these things are, they're somewhat physical, but they're also energy. So it's kind of a fine line. But our physical body is important. We need to take care of our physical body because this is, like I said, this is our vessel on Earth from how we can actually be us and react with the world and, you know, do things that we want to do in our lives. So we do focus a lot on physical, but we definitely cannot separate it from the emotional and the spiritual. And that's the beauty of a holistic medicine approach is that the specialist, the doctor, the practitioner you're seeing will take in consideration the whole picture, not just the physical body. There's a long assessment process, which I'm sure you're going through in your programs as well. 
Oh, yeah. So it's quite extensively. People will come in and they'll be like, you know, what do I take for hormones? What do I take for sleep? And we're like, whoa, 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 hold on. Let's sit down and let's talk about like how you were brought up. Were you breastfed or bottle fed? You know, did you have any tragedies in your childhood? You know, like all these things, how's your stress level? How's your relationships? Are you having sex? Are you enjoying sex? You know, like all of these things. And like, they're like, wait, but I just wanted to know what to take. And that's where we kind of like separated out because we really, you can't get to health if your thoughts are, and and let me just explain it this way, because everyone can totally relate. We've all been driving down the road, and all of a sudden, you see police car lights in your rearview mirror. Well, maybe you all haven't, but just imagine this is happening. You're driving down the road, you see the cop lights in your rearview mirror, and you're like, I'm getting pulled over. And so all of a sudden, you're sitting there in your car, and you're starting to pull over, but you're, you're breathing hard, you're starting to sweat, your eyes are dilating, your blood's pumping, and nothing's happened except you've thought that you're getting pulled over. So you've actually created this physical response from a mental thought of getting pulled over. And so you can see how your thoughts can actually change your physical state, can actually create chemicals like hormones and neurotransmitters and cortisol and blood sugar to change. Your blood vessels can dilate all of these things can start happening just from a thought. You weren't running from the cops. You were just thinking about being pulled over. And so there you can just see how having negative thoughts about yourself, getting into a fight with your boss or your boyfriend, or thinking about getting into a fight with your boss or your boyfriend, or remembering getting into a fight with your boss or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your mom, these things can all create that same physical state even though they're only emotional thoughts. And this is a change in your hormones. This is a change in your body chemistry. It can change your microbiome. I think what you said in the last four or five minutes, you said like your body is an image or I get the feeling of of like your body is the outcome of what goes on in all the other part of yourself. Like it's a physical manifestation of what goes on in everything else around you. That's kind mm-hmm. of a, a painting of what goes on in your entire self. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You can easily change your your skin. Like you can actually start, start breaking out with a rash based on your thoughts. You can actually elevate your antibodies and your immune cells. You can decrease your immunity just from thoughts. So you can create a lot of illness just from what you're thinking. They actually did a study many years back on someone with a split personality disorder. So actually they would have one personality and then they have another personality. And when they were in their, their first personality, they had diabetes, but then when they switched over to their other personality, they did not have high blood sugar at all. So it was actually, they were able to control this through their mind, which was quite amazing. But it's not that extreme for everybody. But we all know, like, there's days where we can make ourselves feel stressed and there's yeah. days where we don't. And and that is creating, we all heard of adrenal dysfunction and high cortisol. Those are hormones that can actually get influenced by our stress level. Same thing with blood sugar. When you're stressed, your blood sugar will raise. And if it's raised all the time, then that can lead to things like prediabetes and diabetes, which then causes a cascade of other problems. It's a symbiotic relationship. Everything interacts with everything. Oh, yes. I mean, we are very complex organisms, right? So 
there is like one thing impacts another, impacts another, impacts another. That's why every practitioner should be a holistic practitioner because we do exist in a bubble like that. Your your heart doesn't exist on its own. Your heart is connected to your brain, connected to your gut, connected to your body. So you can't just like take it out and like fix it by itself. It just doesn't work. Hence why dieting doesn't work, because we're only looking at nutrition and exercise in the physical body. And that's why we go through years of suffering, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's a whole topic in and of itself. But it's funny because dieting doesn't work. Actually, sometimes it works for a minute. Like yes. that change, your body's responding to this change. So it's it's actually creating a little bit of stress and it's doing what it can to kind of catch up. But in the long term, it's not going to work at all. It's actually going to backfire. I mean, you've all heard the studies, over 80% of people that go on diets gain the weight back and even more because it's not about just the diet. There are foods that are better. There are foods that are worse, right? If everybody could just, the perfect diet for everybody, if they could just eat whole real foods, stay away from fake processed foods, like only eat foods that are actually real. Yes. Are made from the universe, right? That Whether you believe in God or nature, foods that are found in nature. You're not going to walk down like the forest trail and get like a bag of Doritos growing off the tree. It just doesn't happen. So if you can just stay in that realm, you're 80% there. And of course, there are certain people that do better with certain types of fats and certain types of protein and certain ratios. So you can definitely dial in what ratios of different macronutrients work best for you. But dieting, restricting food doesn't work at all. It actually, your body has mechanisms in place to protect you from dying. And so when you stop eating enough food, your body will be like, oh my God, Stephanie, you're about to die. So we're going to lower your metabolism and stop your body from burning fat so that you can feel better and you can keep you alive. And at the same time, because we want to encourage you to go seek out food, we're going to rev up your hunger so that you can actually go find that food that you desperately need because we don't want you to die. You know, And if you keep going, then this is why you start to get moody. This is why your hair starts falling out, why your skin starts looking bad because your body will start breaking down what it considers unnecessary proteins to keep you alive because it really wants to conserve. It's not going to go into those fat stores because those are the last case scenario. It doesn't want to give those up. That's amazing. So we can do a whole other show on just metabolism probably, right? Because it's kind of the subject we haven't talked about yet because, and I want the listener to be careful, when we talk about metabolism, it's not in context of losing weight, it's in context Mm -hmm. of your whole health. So I've not yet tackled that subject, but maybe you and I should do that in the future. Yeah. And honestly, metabolism, like the word metabolic just means change. It just means a process of change. And so metabolism is often associated weight loss, but it's really how your body converts anything into energy. And then that change is your metabolism. So there's lots of different cellular metabolism pathways that, you know, get ignored. And (laughs) so you can definitely mess up your metabolism from dieting, but you can also restore your metabolism from living a healthy life, both with your food, but also with your sleep, movement, rest and recovery, all of these things are equally important. Absolutely. So let's focus on the topic today. And it's a change. It's the period of a woman's life where we go through a hormonal change and 
four body chains, spiritually, mentally, that's called menopause, particularly around perimenopause. And you are the host of a great online conference commonly called summit. That is something that you guys, all the listener will be able to join for totally free. But I wanted Michelle because she specialized in holistic health with women that are going through this process to talk about perimenopause because it does have an impact on our body overall. So do you mind taking us through what perimenopause, menopause is and what it should look like and not look like for women? Yes, it's a great question. So menopause, most people are familiar with menopause. And menopause, it's kind of gets confused with perimenopause. So menopause is actually once your reproductive years are over. So once you've ceased having a menstrual cycle for a year straight, then after that year is over, you are now officially in menopause. And usually for many women, once they get into actual menopause, once they've not had a menstrual cycle for a year, that's not when most of the symptoms occur. That's usually they start leveling out around that time. So that usually happens around age, average age in America is 51. It can happen much earlier. Perimenopause is the approximately 10 years leading up to that menopause time where you cease having your period for one year straight. So this is when a lot of women think they're going crazy. So it could start early 30s. It can start as early as their 20s. But what happens is hormones start fluctuating more. So some days they'll have more estrogen, some days they'll have less estrogen. Same thing with progesterone. And common symptoms can really range from anything from anxiety and depression, weight gain, mood swings, changes in their hair, skin and nails, a lot of things that can mimic autoimmunity, a lot of like some skin rashes, a low libido. They could be having trouble sleeping or they can have fatigue all the time and and even like inability to make decisions, lack of confidence. So a lot of these things are happening to women in their 30s and 40s. And they're just, unfortunately, like we just talked about earlier, they're thinking, okay, now I need to diet more. Now I need to really hit it harder at the gym. Now I need to like really beat myself up because I'm not really performing as well as I used to. And my go to my doctor and he said, nothing's really wrong. And I'm just getting older, but I don't want to get older because society doesn't really respect older women. And we're kind of thought of as like, oh, now we're just old and washed up. So it's this whole mental, emotional cycle of kind of ups and downs that's happening to women. And most women don't know they're in perimenopause because there's not any like clear like start of it. And so you just start kind of losing your edge or you notice that you're forgetting things more often or the pounds are starting to creep up around your waistline and you're still eating, exercising exactly the same. And so, like I said, this can happen anywhere. I mean, for me, and one of the reasons why I put this summit on is for me in my 20s, early 20s, I was diagnosed with primary ovarian failure. So I was basically told that I was in menopause my ovaries were done in my 20s. Wow. And that was actually a misdiagnosis. They weren't looking at me holistically. So what they didn't realize or what they didn't even bother to ask me is I was extreme dieting, super low fat. 
This was like the 90s, early 90s. So low fat was the thing. I was running cross country and starting to run marathons. So I was stressing my body out really bad. I grew up in an Italian family. We ate pizza, pasta, pastries all the time. And I didn't know I had celiac disease at that time. It wasn't really a thing that was talked about. Gluten-free wasn't really the craze that it was now. The internet existed, but people weren't Googling things like they do now. And so I didn't really have the information. And then I also later down the line, once I kind of went down my path of learning natural medicine, I realized I also had Hashimoto's thyroiditis and also heavy metals. And so all of these things caused my ovaries to stop working. Well, your body was pretty much saying you're not in no condition to have children at this point. Exactly, exactly. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because that is many reason why infertility is such a problem nowadays because your body knows. Your body is saying you are way too stressed. Your body doesn't have the resources nor the capacity to carry a child. You can barely take care of yourself. And so that that was one of the reasons why ovaries shut down. But I was going through all those symptoms that I just described, many of them, the weight gain, the depression, the anxiety, the mood swings, the insomnia, the fatigue all the time, the joint pain, all of these things were happening. And I went to the doctor and they wanted to give me antidepressants and IBS medication and painkillers and the birth control pill, like all of these things. That was their holistic. It was a whole list of medications. That was their holistic situation, right? I always joke about that, but problem, and it was just making me worse. And so that's what a lot of women are experiencing. They're going to the doctor and they're getting an antidepressant or even women in their forties are now being put on birth control pills, which unfortunately are endocrine disruptors and not hormones at all. They're, they're hormone disruptors. And so if you look at birth control pills on the World Health Organization's website, you'll see the ingredients are labeled as endocrine disruptors, not hormones. And and these women in their 40s are being put on these to artificially regulate their cycle so that now they don't even know when they're going into menopause, which is, it's just frustrating. And it's frustrating for so many women. And I wanted to really educate women on what they might be experiencing and not just have kind of like a a pity party for it, but actually some real solutions, some do-it-yourself at-home solutions, some education about bioidentical hormones, but also how to like use a lifestyle, using nutrition, using mindset, using recovery, using exercise, using herbs, supplements, all these things, how you can actually design your life so you don't have to experience those problems because you asked what the what it should be like. Yes. And, and what it should be like, there wasn't even a word for perimenopause. It was actually coined in, in 1966, but it wasn't actually used very much until the 90s. So before that, there was no like, no one was going through perimenopause. So it wasn't really a thing. It's only in the recent decades because of I believe three reasons. So one is the toxic load. There's, you know, thousands of thousands more toxins in our environment now than there were just 50 years ago. So that's putting a lot of stress on our hormones. And then stress, these days in 2018, 2019, women are now taking care of the household, they're taking care of their kids, they're working at careers, they're volunteering in the community, they're taking care of elderly parents. So they're just responsible for everything and they're taking care of everyone but themselves. And so that stress load 
on their body is, is really depleting their hormones faster than ever before. So you have your toxins, you have your stress, and then nutrient deficiencies. Unfortunately, even if you're eating from whole foods, a lot of the times our food supply isn't as nutrient dense and also a lot of our digestive enzymes and our ability to break down these foods have been depleted from the toxic exposure. So we're not actually absorbing all the nutrition that we need. And so those three things kind of snowball together to create a perfect storm for women's hormones to get depleted faster. And it's just because our hormones are very much interact with our outside world. Every bite we take, every move we make, every thought we have, every breath we take, that affects our hormones. And so it's no wonder that our hormones are kind of going wacky in this day and age. And But there's a lot of things we can do. There's things we can do to, one, to alleviate the symptoms if we're already going through them. And this applies to girls who are, you know, in their reproductive years or who haven't even thought about perimenopause yet, but that's that's actually the best time to start working on it. Like, we've all heard the, the, the um, saying, the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago, and the second best time to plant a tree is right now. So, like, the best time to heal your hormones is, like, when they're at their peak. But the second best time is right now, no matter where you're at. If you went through menopause 10 years ago, if you're going through perimenopause right now, or if you're, you know, thinking about having a baby and you're in your 20s, it all applies to all women. So we give solutions to, and, and I've, I've interviewed, it's not just me, because I don't know everything. I like to think I know a lot, but no good doctor will say they know everything. So I actually reached out to, to some of the top experts in the world, including yourself, Stephanie. Yes. When it comes to you know, nutrition, genetics, breathing, meditation, mindfulness, relaxation, recovery, supplementation, hormone replacement, natural hormone replacing foods, like all of these things. To, and we've kind of put together like a toolbox for women to figure out like, okay, yeah, I'm dealing with that. And this is a great solution for me, or this will help me feel better. And just things that all women can do to slow down the effects to reverse the effects and so that they can live because women should be able to live amazing lives through their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and hopefully beyond. And it's your life is not over just because your reproduction years are over. That's actually should be our freedom time because now, you know, we're more sure of ourselves because we're a little older and we know what we want. You know, we don't have to worry about like, when is our period coming? <laughs> you know, do I need to have stuff with me? And you can have sex without getting pregnant. So this should be like the wonder years for us. Unfortunately, like these symptoms don't have to happen. They don't have to be the reality for many women. Amen to this. So ladies, listen to this. We, you have to go and register for that. It's totally free. Mm -hmm. All those experts are there to give you tools that you can start doing right away. Like there's, there's going to be freebies, there's going to be handouts. So go register, go to the show notes. So the normal pathway, stephaniedoze.com slash 179, put in your name. And then once the online conference starts, you're going to start receiving those videos and emails and all that material to help you improve your perimenopause, your menopause, wherever you are at with all those free 
I want to say more than tools, but free life-saving advice mm-hmm. that you're going to receive from those experts. So go register right away. Now, I want to add one thing, if you may allow me. I'm going to give you a fourth reason why women would be having enhanced symptoms in perimenopause. Yes, please do. Weight cycling. Ah, uh, yes. I put that in the stress bucket, but yes. I, I totally agree. Totally agree. So weight cycling has been associated in studies with shorter lifespan. That's a fact. It's an association. But I believe that the weight cycling that many of us have gone through for people don't understand it's yo-yo dieting, right? Losing, gaining, losing, gaining, which most of the listeners here have done is a tremendous amount of stress to the body and causes your hormone to be imbalanced going into perimenopause. Oh, for sure. I do attribute a lot of the reason why I had my ovarian failure in my 20s to you know, yo-yo dieting in my teens. Uh, went through a time of anorexia, so I was restricting food to almost nothing for a period of time. And I did have that weight fluctuation, but I was also pushing my body to extremes. But yes, I mean, every time you put yourself on a restrictive diet, your body views that as stress. It actually thinks that you're starving. So primitively, there are only a few things that the human body would view as stress. It was like something about to eat us, falling off a cliff, or starvation, right? So those are the three things that the human body recognizes as stress. And evolutionary speaking, we're actually not that different than our primitive bodies. We haven't evolved fast enough to catch up at modern times. So when you are not eating, when you are restricting food, beyond normal, like if you're actually restricting food to where you're hungry, that is going to put a stress on your body. And it's okay if it happens, like because you had to skip lunch because you had a meeting. But if you're chronically doing that, that's chronic stress. It's the same thing as being in an abusive relationship. It's the same thing as working on a job that you hate. So that's causing chronic stress on your body. And on top of that, you're actually causing physical changes that are not going to be beneficial for you in the long run. When we lose weight, we don't just lose fat, but we lose muscle too. And your muscle is metabolically active. So that's actually helping you to basically burn calories. And it's actually helping you to have a better hormone balance, better insulin. And so when you lose fat, you're losing fat from like what we call essential fat. So the fat that protects our organs, the fat underneath our feet. And when you do that time and time again, you're actually losing less of the good fat that you want to lose and more of your muscle and essential fat, but you're also causing that stress, right? So it's chronic stress that's elevating your hunger hormones, elevating your cortisol, your insulin, and causing the cycle of inflammation. And inflammation in and of itself causes stress, which will create that cycle and keep going. And, and yeah, so that definitely, it's definitely a hormone impact. You know, because again, like you said, with, with my problem, my body felt like having a baby wouldn't be a good thing because my body was under so much stress. It wasn't really fit. People who are chronically doing this yo-yo dieting, weight cycling, their body is seeing them under chronic stress. And so libido will go out the door. Like you won't have a sex drive. You may feel really moody, maybe depressed. Those are hormones, your neurotransmitters, your dopamine, your serotonin, inability to sleep, weird cravings, all of those things are a result of repetitive stress on the body. And so, yeah, so sometimes just 
giving your body what it needs mm-hmm. and giving yourself the space to be you, that can be very freeing. Having that gratitude, even if you, you know, you're not happy with one part of your body, like find the part of the body that you are happy with. Maybe it's your eyelashes. Maybe you have gorgeous eyelashes. Maybe you have really cute fingernails, whatever it might be, like find something and focus on those things. And that will have the reverse effect that will actually lower your cortisol. It'll help you put out oxytocin and dopamine and you'll do that reverse. And the more you can train your brain to be in that space of gratitude, the more your hormones will start to balance. You can't see it, right? You can't see it happening, but we can actually see it on biometric devices that we use in our practice. We can see it on our lab testing. We actually hook people up to QEG devices, which is measures brain waves. We look for heart rate variability, and we can actually see in real time these effects happening, these changes happening, even measuring your blood sugar in a time of stress. And then after meditation, you'll see a big difference. That's free. These are the kind of tools you're going to get from the perimenopause summit. But the beauty of this is it doesn't cost anything. You don't have to buy a bunch of supplements and you can have a tremendous Mm -hmm. impact, not right away, but with time on what you shouldn't be doing, which is suffering through perimenopause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And women, women forget, like we're really intuitive beings. Yes. Unfortunately, our modern world with all the unnatural things that we're exposed to, even every all are, even myself, unnatural light, toxins in the environment, it, that kind of like pulls us out of our intuition, but we can still center and come back to that. And so intuitively, we actually know what we need. We know what we should be eating. We know what our body desires. If they've done a lot of studies where intuitively people can tell what nutrients are deficient in. We just need to tap back into our intuitive nature. And I believe you're listening to this podcast because you intuitively knew that this is something that will help you, right? You were drawn to either Stephanie's picture or when you're scrolling through iTunes, that something attracted you. And that's letting your intuition lead you. The same thing you can use for everything in your life. You just have to trust yourself and learn to love yourself. And we give you these tools. So there are some hard and fast tools. There's, you know, people are, you're going to get some meal plans. You're going to get some suggestions for meditations and some great smoothies to improve your energy. And so there are some tools like that. But then there's also tools to help you tap into being you because you're only you. And the more we focus on the you that you want to be, the more you don't have to focus on what you don't want. Like when you focus on what you do want and you actually focus on making yourself the you that you want to be in the future and even visualizing yourself as, you know, how you want to feel, not how you want to look, how you want to feel. Like, do I want to feel powerful? Do I want to feel free? Do I want to feel excited? And just focus on those feelings and actually start to feel those feelings. That'll take you there because you're, you'll be energetically aligned with where you're going. But if you're focused on, you know, that I hate the way I look and I'm so stupid and I can't remember anything, then you're going to be energetically aligned with that and you're going to be stuck in that place. Amen. We, we, I'm saying that because we're still at the beginning, somewhat at the beginning of the year, but we do an exercise in our community at the beginning of the year of goal setting. And mm. we do not talk about physical goal. We talk strictly mm. about how do we want to feel this year? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Because everywhere else we'll set goals that are physical, we need to focus on feelings so we can day to day make decisions that are based on how we want to feel, not how we want to lose things or we're afraid of. Yeah. Such a powerful tool. And that that's really powerful because that is actually how when I con- do consults with people to see if they're a good fit to work with us in our practice, I actually take them through exercise like that. And the people who can't come with me to actually visualize that, that feeling that they want are usually not the people that are good candidates to work with us. Because mm-hmm. you have to be able to, you have to be able to at least envision a possibility for yourself and just at least know where you want to go. And you don't have to know how you're going to get there. I don't, that's something that like right now you're probably like, well, I want to feel this, but I don't know how that's going to happen because I have this old story. And it's not about that. It's just, what's the feeling that you'd like to feel? Don't worry about how to get there because Stephanie's going to help you. We've got, you know, many people out here who have the tools that can help you, but you, no one can pick that feeling for you. No one can have that goal, of it, but you who is listening right now. And so that's your job is to find out what you want and then the resources to how to get there will come to you. Absolutely. We're almost at the end of the interview, but I want to cover a little bit of a secret tool that you have, which is genetic. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to give the whole picture, but many people are hearing of testing genetic and tweaking my genes so I will eat less or lose weight or not binge anymore or not suffer through menopause. Can you give us a highlight reel of the role of genetic in our health and our being? Yeah, so genetics is very popular now. And there's actually a lot of like direct to consumer genetic testing and reporting companies. Those are all great for what they're worth. But many times, the reporting that's direct to consumer like that, they're just giving you black and white. You have this variation. And a lot of times the variation, they're just giving you the negative of the variation. But of all genetic variations, there's a positive side and a negative side. And so in our practice, we like to focus on the positive. And we also like to educate people that this is a tool, but it's not the only tool. And so there are genetics that can give us information on probable hunger and satiety. So different genes that might be making you feel more hungry or making you feel less satisfied. There's definitely interventions you can do to help to leverage those genetics in the right way. There's genes that can explain to us how your hormones break down and if we need to push them to a better pathway. We have those tools. But what I want to emphasize here is genetics is basically the blueprint that you're born with, but epigenetics is actually how those genes express themselves. And how we use epigenetics is a lot of things we were talking about today. So how our body and our mind and our spirit interact with the environment. So interact with everything that it comes in contact with. So environment as far as like where we live, the climate, but also who we're associating with, our thoughts that we're having, the things that we're eating, the things that we're exposed to, what we're breathing in, our stress level, how we're moving our body, all of those have epigenetic effects and can actually turn genes on or off. And so that's what you're not getting from like a 23andMe report. They'll just tell you, oh, you have, let's say, like the MTHFR gene and the APOE genes. Those are two genes that are really popular. And 
unfortunately, they're really popular because a lot of people are using those to create fear and also to sell you some supplements mostly. So the MTHFR, there's like 30% of the population that has a variant. It's not a mutation. If you hear anybody say a mutation, they don't know what they're talking about because the mutation is when there is something that's happening that only happens in 1% of the population. That's considered a mutation. However, a variant is where it can be anything over 1%. And so about 30% of the population has a variant in MTHFR, which has to do with how well we, we process folate and whether what type of folate we should have, and some people should have more folate. And so like people in tropical locations like Africa, they tend to have that variant in the MTHFR, which you know people call bad, but we don't call that bad because it's very protective against colon cancer and other types of cancers. And because they live in an environment where folate is very plentiful, it was never a problem for them because they would be eating folate-rich foods. And so that's why their genes like, well, we want to protect them for this cancer, so we're going to downregulate their ability to process folate because they get so much of it. So if you can see that there's a positive and a negative, it's not a bad gene, there are no bad genes. Just understanding your genes. So be very careful if you get a report from one of these consumer, direct-to-consumer places, and they're just giving you a bunch of scary things because they're not telling you what the benefit of having that genetics is. That, my friend, is a holistic approach to genetic. Yeah. And unfortunately, that is not what's out there. So I wanted, that's her specialty. That's part of your specialty. Mm -hmm. And I wanted people to understand that there is a lot more we need to consider if we're going down this path of genetic testing. Yeah. And like I was telling Stephanie before the podcast that, you know, 99.6% of our genes are identical to every other person on the planet. And they're not much different than a pig. So we're genetically very, very similar to a pig. There's only a very small percentage of genes that are different. So it's only the 0.4% that there's variations that make us unique, make us short or tall or have brown hair or blonde hair or brown eyes or blue eyes or green eyes, or have these different variants in like, should we consume less saturated fat? Should we focus on olive oil? Should we have more carbs or less carbs? So these are very, it's a very small number. And right now we're only really sequencing a small amount of the genome and companies like 23andMe, for instance, are only looking at 600 variants and there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of variants that we have. So it's a very small picture, but it's very beneficial. It's very helpful to have data if you have someone who can interpret that data in a way that's going to serve you and not just in a way that's going to cause fear and get you to buy some supplements because that's not how you use genetic data. Absolutely. Will you talk about that or will you have someone talk about that on the perimenopause summit? Yeah. So I actually have Dr. Daniel Stickler, who is one of the foremost epigenetic experts in the world right now. And he's talking about epigenetics and hormones. And then Mikra Hamilton is talking about the epigenetics of stress and breathing. And she has some great techniques that she shows right there on the interview that people can use to actually epigenetically make them more resilient to stress, which is absolutely amazing. They're two of my favorite people. I am going to listen to a lot of those interviews myself. I'm going to grow from that. Yes. And even as the interviewer, even as the respected doctor in the field, I've learned a lot 
just from those interviews I learned from you, Stephanie, when I interviewed you. So, I mean, there's just so much knowledge to be had. And I just want everyone to just never stop learning and just keep an open mind because there's so much possible for us as women. We, we have so much potential. We can't even imagine the potential that we have. And especially with the tools and the technology and everything that we have access to now, it's just the sky is the limit. We just have to open our minds to that. Absolutely. And empowerment, which is the base principle of going beyond the food is about knowledge. So going on to those conferences, you don't have to listen and be perfect to everything, but getting Mm -hmm. to the topic that's going to help you will give you the intellectual knowledge to be empowered. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just a tip for watching this event or any event. Don't try to implement everything that you hear. Just pick one or two things that resonate with you and implement those. And maybe, you know, go back and then implement some more later. But yeah, if you try to implement everything at once, you'll just drive yourself crazy. And then you'll be like, I just can't do it. More stress. Yeah, and that'll cause more stress. And that's exactly what we don't want to do. So just anytime you're watching, you know, any like interview series or documentary, pick one or two things that resonates and start with those and just dedicate, you know, one hour a week. And you're just going to focus on, you know, either getting things ready to do that, or you're going to create a space in your house to meditate, you know, whatever it is, just give yourself time to prep and then time to implement and then time to reflect to see. So prepping is getting ready. Implement is actually doing it. And then reflecting is like, did that work for me? Because not everything's going to work for everybody and that's okay. That's why there's so many different ways you can do things. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Thank you, Dr. Michelle. Was there anything else you would like to mention to the community? You know, I would just like to tell every woman out there that she is absolutely beautiful in her own way. And the beauty is actually on the inside. And and oftentimes we don't believe that. And when we start believing that about ourselves and recognizing our beauty, we become beautiful to everybody and we attract more beautiful people into our lives. And so it's really how you feel about yourself that makes your beauty come out. And so I just want women to just believe in themselves and just know, like, I believe in you. And I didn't believe there was a point in my life when I didn't believe in myself. And so I had to find people who could actually inspire me, who can believe in me to help me. But, you know, you have this great community of women. Um, Stephanie's created this great supportive network. And so lean on, lean on other women. We were tribal beings, like women are meant to be amongst each other and support each other. And so we've kind of gotten away from that in our modern times and social media kind of makes us feel like we're hanging out together, but we're really not. So just lean on women to help lift you up because together we can actually do some amazing things. Absolutely. And we'll see you on the Perimenopause Summit. And for people that are looking for a holistic approach to health, which we've been talking all month, Dr. Michelle is certainly someone that I would recommend to you. So go check her out. We'll put the link to her website as well in the show notes. So thank you, Dr. Michelle, for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you guys all for listening today. We really appreciate you. There you have it, ladies. Isn't it crazy that it's actually optional for us to struggle through perimenopause and menopause? Who could say that they have the tool to do this? You do, because you are now equipped with Dr. Michelle Sands' interview and also her online conference to learn everything that we, you and I, need to do to make this part of our life 
actually something enjoyable, something that we can learn from. So if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with other women in your life, because this type of information is not something that we see readily and something that we can say is underground. So we got to share it. So if you have a friend, a sister that is currently challenged with perimenopause or menopause, please share this episode with them. Now, we're going to close this four-part series on the next show, episode 180, with Dr. Joanne Rosenberg, and we're going to deep dive in the emotional body, the last layer of the holistic health model. You don't want to miss this. Dr. Joanne Rosenberg is going to teach you a method that will take you in 90 seconds to a place of emotional balance. I love you, ladies, and I look forward to hang out with you on the next episode. I really am starting to see myself as perfect, just just the way that I am. It's the first time in my life that I realized that my self-sabotage was really fear of failure. For me, that's huge because I would have normally sat there and ate the whole bag and I ate like two or three bites of it and threw it out. Because normally I would just sit there and shovel in the cake and go, oh, that was good. What's next? Sometimes I'll go into the kitchen. I'm going to eat a banana and I stop and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not even hungry. And I'll walk away from it and go on and it's over and done with. Do you eat for other reason than hunger? Maybe eating because you are stressed, frustrated, bored, or because you think you deserve it. I struggled with craving, overeating, and even binging on healthy food, no matter what diet I was on. Keto, paleo, organic, whole food, nothing stopped it. And maybe you feel the same. Tired of dieting, over-exercising, and yet another fad program. Or maybe you're overeating and binging and wish you could just be a normal eater. I thought I was alone. I was sick and tired of being a victim of my food urges. Who wouldn't be? Do you feel stuck with your eating and body right now? I want you to know one thing. You are not alone. You aren't broken. If food hasn't been going the way you've planned, know this. It is not your fault. Sadly, most women keep repeating the cycle of yo-yo dieting because they rely on old strategy like restriction, discipline, and the worst one of all, willpower. Perhaps you believe in eating more intuitively and would love to trust yourself around food but are afraid of trying because... Honestly, you just don't trust yourself or worse, you've tried before and you fail. So that's why I want to peel back the curtain and show you exactly how I changed my relationship to food and the one of my client going from overeating, binging and emotional eating to food freedom. And quite frankly, it is completely different from anything you've heard before. Claim Your Food Freedom is a 21-day journey to dissolve the hidden blocks, the emotional blocks that keep you stuck and finally stop sabotaging yourself with food. Claim Your Food Freedom is a four-step 
mapping process that will take you from where you are now to food freedom. You see, everything will change the moment you are willing to see beyond the food and understand why you eat. It's about transforming why and how you eat so what you eat becomes easy, natural, and peaceful. Health, well-being, self-confidence, satisfaction, and success are all byproduct of you looking beyond the food to unlock your food freedom. Plus, I'll coach you on specific roadblocks that may get in the way from you being free from food. Probably the things that made you fail before. The constant hate on your body, the all or nothing attitude, AKA perfectionism, fear of failure or even shame. And lastly, time management. If you are ready to step into a new version of yourself that eat normally and is at peace with food and maybe even your body, head over to www.claimyourfoodfreedom.com and I'll see you on the other side.